One of the things that could maybe do as a test when you walk into somebody's office and you're trying to figure out, are they kind of trustworthy? Just asking them, hey, what's the hottest product now that I should be in? Typically that first meeting, you really probably don't have much financial information that you've given to them at this point. If you find that this person is going to give you an answer as to a specific product or investment without really doing any due diligence, huh. to me, that would really be a red flag that you probably want to have some additional conversations with other advisors. Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast with certified financial planner, Anthony Alpha. Here's your host, Ben George. Welcome into the first episode of All Things Retirement, the podcast we'll be talking financing, financial topics, investing, retirement planning, a lot of different things. We'll all try to inform you and educate you along the way. We'll do so as always with Anthony Alpha financial advisor and founder of Cardinal Wealth Group. Anthony, welcome in, man. How are you feeling about the first podcast episode? I'm feeling really good and excited to uh, get this rolling. There's been a lot of time and energy behind it over the last uh, six months to really get this going. So looking forward to the next, you know, hopefully five years of I like uh, this it. podcast and see how it goes. Yep. I like it. Uh, we'll start with one episode first and we'll go from there. And today, <laughs> look, we're going to be talking about um, financial advisor traits. You know, we introduced you a little bit in our getting to know you episode. So if you haven't done that, go back uh, so kind of our debut episode zero. We went ahead and put that out before we got into all of uh, our financial topics that we'll be discussing moving forward. So you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasting, you can find that. It'll give you a little background on Anthony and his, his business and this podcast. But we want to talk about financial advisor traits and traits that your advisor needs to have. And if they don't, you need to kind of maybe consider who you're working with. Um, or if you haven't decided on an advisor yet and you're thinking about uh, adding one, these are some traits you need to keep in mind. So that's going to be our main topic today, as well as a couple of questions that Anthony's gotten recently that he wanted to bring onto the show and answer them here because we think there's a lot of value for you and we'll do that. But you can always send in questions to Anthony's group, Cardinal Wealth Group. You can find them online, cardinalwg.com, or you can call them at 904-414-2375. Either way, you want to get in touch with them to ask questions. They'll be happy to answer them, but we'll also bring some of those questions onto the show and ask Anthony. So before we get started today on the main topic though, Anthony, I want to start off with a little headline. Well, we'll do this from time to time, pull out some headlines in the news, ask you about them to get your reaction. Usually they have to do with retirement planning or have some kind of a financial angle to them. The first one maybe kind of hits home for you guys being in, in Jersey, um, but Donald Trump now claims Florida as a state of residence instead of New York, presumably for tax reasons. So how often do moves like this make sense for your clients if they're deciding where they'll, where they'll live in retirement? Yeah, first off, I, I got to say that just being in New Jersey and the snowbird story of going down to Florida in a winter is a very popular topic that we come across. And the other thing that really adds to it is that New Jersey is one of the higher taxed states when it comes to a sales tax, but not only that, also from a property tax standpoint. So, you know, people, whether they're making about $100,000 or north of $500,000 while they're working or in retirement, a 6% sales tax, over 6% sales tax can feel pretty hefty to a lot of people. And then on top of that, the property taxes in New Jersey are one of the highest in the country. I think in the top three only 
California and Connecticut being higher. So, you know, with, with that said, I will tell you this, that last week we had a client come in and they wanted to update their retirement projections to look at their income in retirement and, you know, on an after-tax basis. And what, what are the effects moving to Florida versus New Jersey? And, you know, looking at their income in retirement, they had about $200,000 between their social security, pension, IRA, which is a you know, pretty good amount of money. Now, with that said, first, I usually want to understand are we moving to Florida just to save money? I mean, because you got to want to live there. It is certainly <laughs> a different climate, different type of food. And, you know, things to do down there might not be, you know, exactly the same as living in New Jersey, where you're kind of between Atlantic City, Philadelphia, and New York. So it's certainly a different vibe. So I think you first want to make sure that, do you really want to live at this place? Because I, I don't know that I really, really want to tell somebody, well, I would never tell somebody you should go move to Florida or Delaware where the taxes are much less without them actually bringing it up that they would want to live in this place to begin with. But you can save a bunch of money, you know, in terms of moving to some of these states when you look at it and somebody making that type of amount of money when you talk about 6% sales tax on purchases. And then on top of that, you know, property taxes being somewhere usually between 10 and 15,000 in a little bit more affluent area but certainly north of $8,000 for a lot of people that you know it certainly can make some sense i think i you know maybe a good time where it really kind of rears its head is if somebody is already saying they want to be the snowbirds they hate the weather up here especially you know, what we've been coming across recently, it's just like so dreary. It looks like it's nighttime already and it's only 2.30 right. here. <laughs> um, but if it's somebody who's already th- saying, we love going down there, we spend three, four months. And I think when we get into retirement, we'd really like to spend maybe more there, maybe four or five months. I think in that situation, it can really make some sense. Now, you only need six months and a day to be able to file another state Okay. as your primary residency. So if somebody's already there for four to five months, it's very well possible that you can easily get to that six month by taking a few different steps to basically show that that's where you're spending the majority of your time. I think in cases where people are just going to up and move there just for taxes, really want to be cautious to make sure that that's something that they're really going to want to spend some time and maybe say, hey, before you just up and sell your home and move, why don't we just take a time out and why don't you go spend you know, three months or six months and rent a place down there to see if that's something that you really like to figure out you know, the right area and, and things like that. I will say though, you also want to be cautious. This is one of the, especially in New Jersey, it's so popular for people to move down to Florida to save and make a tax move just for that, where they're not really spending the full six months and a day that they need to really claim that as a residency. And the IRS for New Jersey will audit you to make sure that that's actually happening. And if you're not, they're going to certainly come back at you to have you pay those back taxes that you would have been missing out on. And there was actually an article that was in the news about a week or two ago that had New Jersey having hundreds of six-digit cases of paying in back taxes, which created millions of dollars of additional New Jersey tax revenue. Wow. 
Well, there's definitely, it seems like there's a lot to consider uh, if you decide to make that move. And I, do, I will say, though, whenever I travel a little bit or, or, or visit somebody, I always hear, it always seems like, hey, who's moving into this area the most? I always feel like New Jersey's a state that you hear quite often. <laughs> no matter where you go along the south, you, you hear that state quite a bit. I think in at the Miami Dolphins game this past week, <laughs> Uh, we were the majority of the fans there. I could see that for sure. That's funny. Uh, yeah. So if you're thinking about making that move, you know, make sure you look at every possibility and all the things that go into it because it's not just about just taxes. There's a lot more that goes into that decision. So working with a professional is a good way to have that beginning conversation before you make a big life change like that. So good information, Anthony. I appreciate that. Uh, that info. So let's move into our, our main topic today. And as I mentioned, it's going to be on Financial advisor traits. You probably heard words like trustworthy, likable, problem solving, good listener. These are all things that you want to hear when somebody's describing a financial advisor or potential advisor you're in the process of looking for. Uh, On today's show, we're going to talk about why it's so important for your advisor to embrace these kinds of characteristics. And that's the easy part. We'll also tackle the harder part and discuss some tangible ways how you can determine if an advisor has these characteristics or not. So, I'm assuming you have most of these characteristics, Anthony. So I'm not going to put you on the spot and, and question you and, and and really challenge you on those. But I explain, like to think so. I, I think you do too. Uh, but I want to just have you explain some of these to me and to somebody that might be listening and, and thinking, "Hey, I'm trying to decide on an advisor. I don't really know, but you know, what am I looking for when I'm trying to search for that advisor? Because you need somebody that you can really connect with. And I think the first thing you have to consider is somebody that's trustworthy. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think we need to spend much time as to figuring out why it's important to have trustworthiness in a relationship with a financial advisor when somebody's dealing with your finances. But I think that for me, you know, coming down to being more of a relationship person myself, I think it does kind of come down to a a gut feeling and in the sense of, is this somebody that I could see myself kind of hanging out with, but also, at the same time, you know, you have to be qualified on the subject matter that you're going to be presenting to somebody. And so for me, you know, if I went to look for a relationship in something where trustworthiness was important, I don't know if I would start with somebody who was totally introverted. Um, if I didn't really get that warm and fuzzy feeling when I met with them in the first you know, few minutes, so to speak. The other thing I think that's important is that there has to be some trust given by the client to really make that relationship even begin. Uh, some people kind of have the trust is earned mentality and that that's okay, but I think it's going to be difficult if you're going to meet somebody that could be through a minimal referral, like a, hey, my friend works with you, I heard good things, or I met you at some type of retirement workshop. In those types of situations, the individual I find is going to have to have some level or ability to say, I'm okay with giving you some trust to start off with, and it's up to you to really lose it, if that makes some sense. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I would say, especially today, that you could maybe do as a test when you walk into somebody's office and you're trying to figure out, are they kind of trustworthy, is along the way in that first interview, just asking them, hey, what's the hottest product or best investment right now that I I should be in? And typically, that first meeting, you're really probably don't have much financial information that you've given to them at this point. But if you find that this person is going to 
give you an answer as to a specific product or investment without really doing any due diligence. To me, that would really be a red flag that you probably want to have some additional conversations with other advisors because I would say that's pretty negligent to just position one product or there is no one perfect investment out there. The answer that you would be looking for is, you know, that's a more difficult question to ask. And we would really need to spend more time to really understand what you actually need to accomplish those goals. Some other things that you could really, I guess, get from a figuring out from a trust standpoint is just looking up the person online to see their U4 to see if they have any complaints filed against them. That would probably be the one way that you can do before you even go into the meeting to see if this person has any formal complaints held against them. And that would start to give me an idea of, okay, well, does this person have a good track record and have no complaints next to their name? Yeah. And I would imagine also the other key thing when it comes to trust is somebody that's hiring somebody that's a fiduciary, right? That's a big part Uh, of it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think that that's sometimes can be a little bit gone overboard a little bit to some okay. extent, because I, I will say that I, I'm a fiduciary, I'm a certified financial planner. And so we are held to that standard. But I, I do have friends that do some more insurance planning or do some investment work that do really good work. And they're not held to necessarily to a fiduciary level, either because they don't have the licenses but that doesn't mean that they're not really good at maybe getting you the right type of insurance. I think maybe the pendulums swung a little bit too far, uh, but there's been a lot of bad history in the sales culture that's really created that. So to be fair to others, I I would say that just because they're not being held to that standard doesn't mean that they aren't a good person and don't do good work either. But it's certainly, I think, from a trust standpoint, if you're not sure about a person, it's nice to know that they're being held to that level to begin with uh, from a consumer standpoint. Gotcha. Don't rule them out, but it's something to keep an eye on if you're, if trust is important to you. Um, and they should be able to explain it too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, second trait is likability. You know, h- how important is likability when you're deciding who to work with, you know, on your finances? Because when you're in, you know, when you have a client into your office, I mean, how cordial are things? I mean, do you need to have that comfort to be able to like somebody or does it even matter? I think for somebody like myself who is relationship oriented, it absolutely matters to me very earlier on. If I'm not, like I said, getting a warm and fuzzy feeling about them, we're going to spend a lot of time together, right? I mean, you yeah. or if you're working with an advisor, you're going to spend a lot of time with them. You're talking at least two to three meetings on an annual basis, typically, and plus maybe phone calls in between that. And certainly in the beginning of a process, at least with us, we might have somewhere around 10 meetings before you're fully maybe on board, or we have a you know checklist of things that we want to get to, especially in that first 18 months where we're spending more time than maybe somebody who's been with us for eight years. So I think likability is one of the first things that most people who are relationship oriented are going to find, put some importance on. Somebody who's more of like above the line, maybe analytical type of personality where they're maybe more bottom line oriented, maybe puts a little less emphasis on likability and puts more emphasis on their area of are they an expert in this area? And I don't really care about their personality as much. We're not going to be going out to dinner as much. Now, I look at it from a, would I have a beer with this 
person or would I want to break bread with this person? Because we're going to be spending a lot of time and you know, I want to be able to be happy when that person's calling. If I had to if you're looking down and say, oh, why is this person calling me again? Probably, <laughs> to me, I, I don't know if you really want to work with them, right? Right. right. That's funny. I'll, I I usually use the, uh, do I think I could have a beer with this person? Uh, that's a question yeah. I ask a lot just when I'm dealing with anybody, honestly. Kind of leads me in the right direction. You mentioned expertise and being, you know, kind of being an expert on different subjects. That's another trait you're really looking for, too, when you're trying to pick out an advisor, right, is, kind of identifying what's important to you and then finding that person that's got that area of expertise that matches your your needs. Absolutely. Especially for somebody who is maybe even less relationship oriented, this is probably where they would skip to and say, are you the person that's right to help me on what I'm trying to achieve? And this industry of financial advising has many designations and the word by itself, financial advisor has a lot of things that fall under it, right? You could be man, a person who just manages company 401ks and you're a financial advisor, which is true, but that doesn't necessarily indicate that you're equipped to handle somebody's retirement planning where you're dealing with a lot of other areas other than just trying to figure out what the right type of retirement plan is for this company and, and helping to enroll people and maybe picking out a limited selection of funds for them. You might be an advisor who really just helps people with long-term care planning or Medicare planning. Those can all fall under that word of financial advisor or even financial planner for that matter. So, you know, understanding the area of expertise, I think you might want to ask them a couple questions, right? What are some of the designations that you hold to show that you are the right person to help me on what it is that I'm trying to solve. And if you're not hearing some of them, those designations that say, I'm coming in for help me figure out how much money I can spend in retirement without running out of money, you probably want to hear some designations like a certified financial planner, which is going to be one of the higher designations that you can attain in this industry. You can actually just go to the American College and look up all the different designations and they will actually spell out what they mean and what the focus is of that to give you an idea if that's the right type of person that you should be looking for. And generally at those types of websites, they'll also give you a list in your area as to where those types of advisors, where they can be found. I think beyond designations, one of the bigger things that I'd be looking for is have they written or taught anything publicly to show them that they're a subject matter expert in what it is that you're looking for. Um, because if they're not talking about it and holding themselves out there, then it might be maybe a deciding way to decipher between one advisor over another who just says, yeah, I handle retirement. And when they maybe do a little bit of it, but aren't really totally focused there, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. That's a good way to try to find somebody that uh, you're looking for. That's good stuff. Uh, one that I think is important is listening ability. Right, you need somebody that's listening to you. This is your money, right? So you need somebody that's paying attention to what your needs are, what you're looking to accomplish, what your goals are. So, how do I know if I'm looking for an advisor? How can I fit, really tell if my advisor is listening to me and my concerns? Yeah, somebody told me a long time ago, you have two ears and one mouth, so you should be listening two thirds of the time and only talking a third <laughs> of the time, and especially in the beginning stages, uh, in those first couple of meetings, because that's the time where you should be asking the most questions to understand what the client is really trying to accomplish and their needs, how they think about money, why they're here today, 
how they, they think we're supposed to help them, and so many other questions that go along with that. And you know, oftentimes clients will come in talking about one or two things, and they say that's the reason, but there's really a lot of follow-up questions that should help to dig a little bit deeper to truly understand you know, what the reason is that they brought this up in that meeting. I think that especially in the earlier part of my career, going back about 12 years ago when I started this, we had intros at a company that I used to work for that were literally 45 minutes of talking. They called it the first talk and they said basically how good you were, (laughs) you know, how awesome we are. By the time it's 45 minutes, by the time it's done, you'd say, so what did you want to talk about today? (laughs) (laughs) And one, I was exhausted just listening to it. And I'm sure that the client at that point was just wondering was, when were you going to ask me what I wanted to talk about? So I think if somebody starts talking about themselves in that manner, doesn't need to be 45, but even for really 20 minutes before they even ask you what it is that you looking to accomplish or starts prepositioning this magical product or investment, I'd probably go in the other direction. Look at it in the sense of when you go to your doctor's office, right? The one You generally maybe have an agenda of one or two things that are on your mind that you're there for, but then pretty much from there on out, they're asking you all the questions to really determine how they're able to help. And if they're not the right person, we got to get you this specialist because we need further evaluation before they can even give you an answer. Yeah. They should be asking about you pretty early in that conversation of not the first question. Hey, tell me about you and your goals. Um, Two ears, one mouth. Exactly. I like that. Last one is a problem finder. And I think really one of the best value of, of having an advisor is having somebody that can find those things that you're not even aware of, right? Whether it's solutions to kind of minimize your tax obligations or you know, different investment opportunities that you might not even be aware of, but somebody that can find stuff that you aren't even really clear about and don't even know to ask about. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that just goes back to the, even the previous question of listening and asking good follow-up questions. You know, I look at this as from a more holistic point and where a lot of things can really be connected to one another. So somebody coming in talking about their retirement might also need to think about, well, how their investments are invested or when they're thinking about taking their social security or how many more years they're planning to work or the way that they're trying to save going forward. And they're all really connected to some degree, some more than others that you really need to understand that before you can really you know, determine what the actual issue is or how well they're doing or if they're on track and how to fix it. And first, by you know, digging deeper and asking more questions to fully understand their situation is where it really all starts. And just when somebody comes in for the first time, we spend probably somewhere around 30 to 45 minutes before I even have talked about what we could do. But it's just really to get a good idea of what their points of maybe pain are that's bringing them in. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't other things that we should be talking about, but that's the reason why they're in today. If we are going to kind of get to that second meeting, that's between that first and second meeting is when we'll also look at some of the other areas that could be affecting those one or two areas that they might have came in to talk about. You know, I know you came in about these two things, but are you also familiar about these other concepts? Mm -hmm. For example, with retirement planning saying, 
things like long-term care planning where that could really you know, derail somebody's retirement or the loss of a spouse, not just from an emotional standpoint, but maybe because you'll lose a social security income stream or a pension and how that could also potentially, you know, derail your retirement. Have you thought about things like that? So a person, I think like a certified financial planner is somebody who is trained to really look at things more from a holistic manner, as opposed to somebody who is maybe specialized in just one, one area. I got you. Well, look, if you are considering an advisor, thinking about uh, working with an advisor soon, or you have one that you you know, just want to reevaluate, make sure you're in the right spot. These are all characteristics you want to consider and want to keep in mind when searching for that advisor. And if you want to work with Anthony or think about uh, just sitting down and, and seeing if he'll ask those right questions for you right off the bat and talk about you, give him a call, 904-414-2375. You can find him online as well, cardinalwg.com. Their office is right there in Cherry Hill. They serve uh, all that South Jersey, Philly, surrounding areas. Uh, they're there to help you out with that. So if you're looking for an advisor, these are all some things you can consider uh, and some traits that uh, you know a great advisor is going to have. So before we close it out, this first episode, let's take uh, one question from the mailbag. We've got time for one question. So as I mentioned, if you have any questions, you can send them in through the website to Anthony, or you can call the office and he'll bring on some questions that he finds uh, pretty interesting and, and valuable to you, the listener. So our first question of the podcast, I guess officially now, and the question for today comes in from Norm, who asks, how much risk is appropriate to take with my investments now that I'm in retirement? Yeah, that's going to be a really tough question to answer that one right over the air because there's just, again, too many variables in retirement to really give you a blanket statement there. And it's really going to depend on your overall financial plan and objectives, what you already kind of have in place that's helping you when it comes to your retirement planning. And I I don't think the case is always that if you're getting older, that your investments need to be more conservative. There's plenty of uh, situations where that's not the case, but it is super important to understand being able to quantify actually how much risk you really are taking with your investments in retirement. And that's something that an advisor should be able to spell out to you so that you can really understand it. But to determine whether that's the right risk or not, really understanding your income plan in retirement first is probably where you really want to start. Sounds good. I hope that answers your question, Norm. Again, if you have a question to send it, we'll answer questions throughout the life of this podcast. We'll try to fit in a one or two, just about every episode. So you can send them in to cardinalwg.com or call Anthony's office, 904-414-2375, and uh, ask those questions to him and his team as well. So Anthony, we'll wrap it up on that note. I appreciate the time. Really a lot of good insight on how to pick an advisor, what to look for if you're doing that. So uh, thanks for the first episode, man. You feeling pretty good about it? Yeah, yeah, I am. Thanks a lot, Ben. I appreciate it. Sounds good. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well so you'll have every single episode delivered to your inbox. You can do that at Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast will be right there as well. So for Anthony, I am Ben. Thanks for listening to the first episode of All Things Retirement. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.